0: Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent Kyle Seraphin.
1: Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Kyle Seraphin Show for Friday, September twenty second, twenty twenty three. It is a friendly Friday. Unfortunately, uh, your fearless host, Kyle Serafin, is not here. As he joked about yesterday, he jumped out of our li- little rickety lifeboat and he landed himself on the yacht. That is the Tim Pool podcast that will be streaming tonight. But uh, he is bringing along Garrett with him, and I think that that will help the Seraphin and the Suspendables Nation as we grow and continue to reach a, a great audience. And you have to uh, fear not because the real Steve Friend is here. So at least half of the Friendly Friday uh, – compadre is, is present to, to bring you your your news and uh, stories of the day that I think that will test the uncomfortable truths that are out there, leave you with some thoughts, uh, some actual information I think you will find valuable. And I'm not going to be alone for long. I'm going to be welcoming in a guest. And uh, we can bring him in now right now, Ryan. And this is uh, my friend and colleague, Wade Miller, who is the executive director of Citizens for Renewing America. But more importantly, he is a military veteran with a really boss beard. He is from Texas, so you are going to get your fix, fans, And uh, we are going to have a discussion in a short amount of time uh, about uh, the the budget drama that we're hearing about from Washington, D.C. But before we get into that, we do want to pay some bills. Ryan, could we get ready with our our Patriot Cooler uh, run? Uh, I want to point out these are the OG uh, sponsors of the Kyle Serafin Show. These are the guys that uh, we, we joke about all the time that we always hear when people uh, who disagree with us on one thing, because they, they, they think that so we agree with everything that they have, uh, they're articulating out there. They say that they've supported us from the beginning, uh, but when it comes to Patriot Coolers, uh, they definitely have supported the, the Kyle and Show from the beginning, so can we run that?
2: All right, what up, Rumble? We're here at the Texas-Mexico border. We're in far Texas. I'm now in America with my Patriot Cooler. Guess what? Now I'm in Mexico in my Patriot, with my Patriot Cooler. You guys want to stay cool when it's 105 degrees out here in Texas, visit PatriotCooler.com, promo code KYLE, that's K-Y-L-E, promo code KYLE, show this channel some love. We're down here and again, don't forget to tell Majorcas that the, uh, this border is definitely not open. No, no way, no border open here.
1: This is where the uh, Border Patrol agent told us to not stay put for too long. So uh, we're going to keep moving on. There's Ryan breaking some international law to bring you the Patriot Cooler, uh, which is a fantastic product. I encourage everybody to get it, especially Christmas season's coming up. So uh, take advantage of the Kyle Serafin Show's uh, promo code and, uh, and get your gifts early. Also want to acknowledge Catholic Vote, The Loop. I got my email this morning. It's got some great information in there. I just lost one of my regular media uh, news aggregator sources, and uh, providentially, uh, pun intended, the uh, the Catholic vote has uh, the loop has filled that need and void in my my news gathering life. i look at through my email today. Even has a story about how the FBI lost count of how many informants it had, had at the January 6th riot. Uh, also, how Disney has now promised to come back and tone down the wokeness. So those are some of the news stories that they're covering today into your weekend. Uh, we have a, an in, a, uh, inspirational video about Catholic Vote. Uh, Ryan, when you're ready, you can go ahead and roll that.
2: What video number is that? Sorry, I didn't have that one ready, Steve. Uh, that's we'll come worries. Later. We had,
1: yeah, we'll get to that later. Okay, so I want to I welcome in Wade Miller, who uh, I gave his promo to. Wade, again, is a the director over at Citizens for Renewing America. And uh, he's, he brings a wealth of knowledge. Wade, thank you very much for v- joining me today. We're going to get into a little bit of the weeds and the nerdy discussion uh, about what we keep hearing about, about this budget discussion. I want to uh, kind of give a uh, Reader's Digest version of it, and you're, you're definitely equipped to give that. But before I do, I want to kind of set the stage for what my mentality is, for what it's being represented in the news media, um, Ryan, can you queue up video number one and let's set the tone here for the discussion about the budget debate? Roll it. <laughs> <laughs> You have it wade that is from deep impact obviously a great apocalyptic movie from the 90s um i think it's actually an apropos video because it kind of set, kind of sets the stage for what are multiple views of what this pending budget debate is going to be you have a one camp that says that uh, it's going to be the end of the republic if the government shuts down and then you have another camp that says, unless we address this, it's gonna be the end of the Republic. And uh, in both cases, it will be a meteor of death that destroys everything in its wake. Um, I would like for you to give us some information about that. But before we do, a tradition on this show is, can you just give folks a little bit about your background, maybe uh, bring us up to speed on, on who you are and, and why you're, you're really sitting here, because I think that you're a great source of information.
3: Yeah, th- and thanks for having me on. Um, my background is, uh, my dad, my husband, uh, I was in college on 9-11. Uh, that kind of spurred me to want to join and, and fight terrorism. Uh, I didn't anticipate that 20 years later I'd look back and think that a lot of that wasn't really directed at terrorism, but other you know, uh, uh, foreign incursions and nation-building efforts. Uh, but nevertheless, I, I value my service in the military. I'm a big fan of the Marine Corps as it was. I think it's going in the wrong direction now and getting super woke, but Uh, After that, I I finished school, uh, worked for uh, some conservative groups. I was a political director for Senator Cruz, a chief of staff for Chip Roy, and I'm now back working for uh, Russ Vote at Center for Renewing America and Citizens for Renewing America.
1: All right. So you have worked uh, with some of the uh, the conservative stalwarts at both the Senate and the House level. And, and certainly Russ was in the uh, Trump administration. He's definitely a budget hawk. Uh, so I know you have your positions and views on the way that this budget fight should go. Can you just sort of break down the the very bare bones basics of what we are facing at the end of what is this fiscal year? What does that mean? What What is the budget and what are they actually trying to achieve here in a vacuum? How uh, how this is going to work?
3: sure and so kind of backing up to that video that's what dc and the swamp want you to think is happening they want you to think that a shutdown is just catastrophic to the republic the reality is is that unless you're a federal bureaucrat in the northern virginia and southern maryland area you're probably not going to notice the federal government's even shut down at all Uh, So having said that, every year the House is supposed to pass a budget. Well, first of all, the President is supposed to put forward his own budget request, and then Congress is supposed to pass a budget. That rarely happens on time. Uh, And then you get into the summer, and then getting into the fall, uh, you know, you run into these funding deadlines, and all through the summer, you're supposed to be doing appropriations bills, and those haven't been passed yet either, uh, largely. And then uh, if those don't get passed, then you run into a situation where funding will lapse and you go up against the deadline. Right now it's September 30th. And uh, if you hit September 30th without funding government agencies, uh, those agencies will uh, shut down. Now, when we say shut down, we're really talking about uh, a very little portion of the actual government. Social Social Security still works. Medicare patients are still seen. The Postal Service still works. United States military is still functional and, and uh, uh, working and showing up uh, anything that is deemed essential is functioning uh, and the president has broad authority to do that so government shutdowns really aren't a big deal but nevertheless there's a vested interest in the swamp in DC to make it sound like it is Tuesday uh, I think that if, if you know the the video that you showed what what if it should apply to anything it should apply to the carnage that is brought about by massively cutting the woke deep state that is uh, increasingly uh, in- enriched itself and increase its own power and scope uh, and, t- and use that to then target its political opponents. And keep in mind, it's not just the politically elected officials. It's not the people that Biden puts in charge of these agencies and nominates. They're the so-called politicals is what you call them in D.C., It's just your regular uh, uh, federal bureaucrat, civilian that that applies for a federal government job. And and keep this in mind, most of these agencies and most of these jobs are located in and around Washington, DC. Northern Virginia and Maryland are heavily Democrat. So you're already up like 75, 80% of the job pool is going to be ardently far left. These are the type of people that are filling these bureaucratic positions And they carry into the federal government their own biases. So you don't even need marching orders from a Democrat president. They just know to do it and they know to oppose. So this is what, you know, Donald Trump ran into is the federal bureaucracy was aligned against him. So even with good politicals in charge, they were just outmaneuvering and and out, uh, uh, you know, uh, fighting and, and using all of the power they had to slow things down, to thwart the will of the president. So when you're talking about the deep state, that's what it is. And that's what conservatives are trying to line up right now to fight against and say, we shouldn't be funding all of this. It's it's They're using taxpayer dollars to essentially fund a multi-trillion dollar Democrat Party political machine. And we should have certain services of the government, but they should be downsized. And this isn't even necessarily a libertarian argument. If there's a, a good government agency uh, uh, function to be had, like law enforcement, for instance, uh, the military—you uh, know, uh, some way, shape, or form—federal taxes need to be paid. What, you know, we could debate how that looks and what kind of tax policy looks, but you need some core functionality. But they've gotten way out of control, and so the fight now is to essentially put forward funding bills that attack all of this, that secure the border, go after COVID tyranny, go after woke and weaponized government, go after wokeness in the military, uh, and then at, address the long standing spending problem. That's the ask. It's a very reasonable ask. But unfortunately, like 50 to 60 to 70% of the Republican caucus would rather just go along with uh, uh, a standard do-nothing approach that funds all of the current operations and not actually pick a fight. So that's the dynamic we're in: is we have Democrats who are just fine with the status quo, Republicans who pretend to not be fine with the status quo, but are angling behind the scenes to just make the status quo uh, extend another year and not actually defund any of the woke and weaponized activities of government, and then a smaller contingent of conservatives that are saying, "Well, hell no! You know, it's time for us to stand, put a foot in the you know uh, down and, and 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 draw a line in the sand." and we don't cross that. We defend this line and we and we fight for Americans and I think that that's what a lot of us are urging Congress to do now is pick that fight. If you articulate it and actually grow a spine, I think that it will resonate with the American people.
1: Yeah, I think that, that that's a good point, especially towards the end there where you're saying that there are a certain number a small number of these representatives out there who are trying to articulate this case. Uh, Ryan, I I would like you to to pull link number two here. Uh, I think that uh, Dan Bishop's probably amongst that small cadre and he pointed out um, on his Twitter profile recently uh, that the the debt has, the national debt, which we keep borrowing money to fund the government. uh, And since we had the debt limit debate a couple months ago and we raised it basically, they can go forever now. There's really not a limit on it, uh, but they've borrowed another trillion dollars. And, And Dan Bishop pointed out that every family in America, would have to kick in $260,000 to pay that amount of debt off. And I'm, I, you know, and look back to the analogy about the the, the meteor strike on Earth. I think it, it gets advertised as if the government shuts down, we're going to suffer a consequence like that. Uh, but I view it the other way. I view it as the fact that we haven't addressed this growing debt, that there's this tidal wave that's going to come destroy everything. Every, I feel like most of the politicians are like that guy who's reading the newspaper with his back to the water just going along, not not really caring. Uh, there, there's some that are out there maybe fighting the battle. They're the ones that are uh, either in the traffic line or hopping on the, the motorcycle to drive up uh, into the mountains to avoid the waters as they come. But ultimately, and, and we can look at uh, news link number one here, this was something that uh, Tom Elliott put out, and I really like your thoughts on this, Wade. This was something that, that absolutely blew my mind. He pointed out that if you were to eliminate um all of the federal workers 24 million people the workforce entirely we would still be at a deficit for this year's spending we're not taking enough money to even cover the mandatory spending so how what's the plan if let's say this small cadre of you know the 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 revolutionaries that uh, they're able to to convince the the masses that we, we need to have radical change uh, what's the plan to actually pay off 33 trillion dollars is it even feasible or are they just gonna have to inflate our way out of this and we're all just gonna have to switch into a different
3: currency we can actually do this uh but it takes congress being serious so you know at center for renewing america we actually put out a budget showing mathematically how you would attack this and by the way how you would do it by largely not touching the programs that people depend on like medicare and social security not saying that those programs uh couldn't use reforms But you can balance the budget by largely not touching those at all and then shifting the 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 budgetary fight to woke and weaponized uh government and there's this meme in dc and there's a reason that this meme exists that the only way you can balance the budget is by going after mandatory spending you do have to touch some mandatory spending programs but the most popular programs you don't actually need to touch uh and 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 the reason that dc perpetuates this meme is because social security and Medicare are mandatory programs. And so they always say that we've got to, uh, Republicans especially say, we've got to reform those programs to balance the budget. Well, it gets them off of regular appropriations bills so they don't have to deal with that. And that's where all of their earmarks and all of the pork spending and all of the kickbacks that go to their district, that's where all that occurs. So they take the debate off of that, move it onto, uh, onto Social Security and Medicare. And then that never happens because they know politically it's very unpopular. Democrats are never going to go along with it. And then at the end of the day, what happens is you've now funded the, the woke and weaponized bureaucracy for another year. So you can go after some mandatory spending. But if you actually take a giant meat cleaver to the federal bureaucracy through appropriations bills, and this year it would mean uh, taking spending from about $1.59 trillion to about $1.47 trillion, not a lot, really. I mean, that's a haircut. We could go way deeper than that. But if you can get discretionary spending down just that amount and then put it on a new baseline, in 10 years, you can balance the budget. And then when you factor in the, uh, uh, the growing economy over 10, 20, 30 years, a balanced budget, over time, you actually start to eat into that. And you start to actually uh, uh, reduce the total amount of national debt. You can grow your way out of this problem over several generations of hardworking Americans uh, you know, uh, uh, supporting this. Uh, but it takes resolve, and it takes conservatives putting the, you know, their, their uh, foot down right now and saying, we've got to fight for this. And, and for me, again, it's not even necessarily about a mathematical equation and a spreadsheet numbers adding up. It's that we have to do it. It's a mathematical certainty. If you believe in big government or small government, it really doesn't matter. The math doesn't lie. That meteor is coming for Earth. And if we don't change our trajectory, that math is going to come crashing down on us. But before that, even, if we don't address it, the woke and weaponized deep state is going to come crashing down on American liberties and and our uh, uh, constitutional principles. We won't even get to a point where we can deal with uh, 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 getting our debt to zero if we don't tackle woke and weaponized uh, government first, and right now there's too many Republicans that want to pretend that that doesn't exist, or worse, they talk a big game, but then when it comes time to actually fight it, they're nowhere to be found, and they're trying to find the first off-ramp, and they're throwing up the white flag and talking and using Democrat talking points to try to avoid an actual fight. And it's like Mike Lawler is a perfect example out of New York. This guy is as the political IQ of a hamster, and he's out there spouting all these Democrat talking points you would think the guy's a democrat by looking at his twitter feed but he's actually a republican and he is trying his darndest to prevent us from actually having this fight for the american people and he's threatening to go out and do a discharge petition with the democrats which by the way also can't work that's a a, a toothless threat and we now that uh, conservatives know that we have put that one to bed but he was trying to uh, make this deal where they would come in and just do a clean cr with like five or six republicans and all the Democrats, and then okay, just can, uh, can r- railroad there. through. All
1: yeah. right, can you can you just explain the CR, the continuing resolution, just yes. for for the layperson? What does that
3: mean? Sure. So you have government funding, and if you don't do appropriations bills, there's twelve of them usually. If you don't do those appropriations bills, and each one of them funds a certain part of the government, that's supposed to be the normal process of funding the government then you come up on these funding deadlines. And so what Congress does is they either do an omnibus bill, which is all of those appropriations bills into one giant bill, and those are terrible. I never should you support an omnibus bill, or at least rarely, I've never seen one I liked. If you don't do that, then often what is politically easier to do is a continuing resolution, which is just a resolution that says all of the previous funding in those exact amounts are continued on. And sometimes they will have a few policy writers that kind of nibble around and change a few spending items. But it's sh- essentially saying the, the spending that we already had will continue at those exact same levels uh, for all of the agencies. So it's, it's not a new spending bill. It's just saying the old one kicks in longer. And, and what the swamp wants to do now is say, let's do a CR for a year. And then what happens is conservatives lose any leverage points to actually fight the Biden administration before the next election. And so the swamp would love to do that. That's the uniparty solution. Conservatives are trying to use the leverage right now to force a fight on policy to actually fight for Americans.
1: Without assigning any sort of like nefarious intention to the people who want to keep the status quo going, what is their benign, innocent argument for, we need to spend $7 trillion Um, and and be well in excess of the amount of revenue we're going in, we need to go further into debt. What is their actual case that they can bring to the floor and say, this is a net objective good?
3: Well, this will, I mean, for for the few that may actually buy into this, this is kind of a a progressive economic viewpoint that big government is important uh, and that it drives the economy, creates jobs, helps redistribute wealth, arguments like that, uh, but it's hard for me to not assign nefarious because uh, so many of them actually want to use the federal government to target political opponents and to put forward uh, federal laws and, and uh, uh, agency powers that will uh, limit free speech and attack, you know, P- force them to get uh, COVID vaccines or lose their jobs or, you know, be liable, you know, somehow uh, civilly if, if someone else happens to get sick because of them. There's all sorts of things that they're trying to use the government to do to attack us. It's hard not to be nefarious, but it, it, the 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 answer would be classical kind of left-wing economic viewpoint and that government investment is a net good to the economy and, and is a net, uh, 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 you know, value producer. And that's just absurd. It, it, the, the math just doesn't add up. Uh, there's too many uh, inefficiencies and, and wealth transfers Anytime the government takes money and then puts it through a bureaucracy, it comes out on the other end, a net loss. There's just no way around that. It's just the, the human nature. It, it's, a, it's a structural inefficiency. Some structural inefficiency is necessary. We need to defend the United States of America. But doing so is a net value loss in terms of just pure value because we're taking money out of the economy and putting it into bullets and other things. That aren't actually growing the economy and investing and and uh, and, and 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 you know actual market it, it's a it's a uh, artificial demand that is created by government so they're all nonsensical arguments
1: okay all right final thing from you uh that just w- would like to get your prediction not not necessarily what you would like to see but uh if you had to put your nostradamus hat on How do you think this thing is going to shake out here uh, in the final days before the end of the year, with the fiscal year, which is going to be September 30th? What do you think is going to happen?
3: Well, I'm I'm actually pretty optimistic. I think that conservatives are in a really good position to use the leverage that they have to force a fight on spending. And so right now, uh, the House will likely put forward appropriations bills. Those will be shot down by – Liberals and Democrats, and then there will be a government shutdown. And so, from there, I think that conservatives are in a good position to sustain that and say, "Look, if you if Democrats want to uh, fund the government, we're we're going. You have to pass these appropriations bills." And at a certain point, Democrats will cave because opening the government back up is more important to Democrats than uh, it is to uh, uh, some Republicans. And uh, in, in other words, Democrats want the entire government open. Republicans only really care if some of the government opens. So there's an invested, uh, there's a, a clear interest for Democrats to cave first if we hold the line. So if we stick to the blueprint and the plan, we're going to get a win here. The question is, how much of a win? Is it the full ask? Is there a deal that's struck and it's half of our ask? And then the question will be, is that, uh, is that worth it? You know, should we take the deal on the table? And those are all calculations that will have to happen in real time in the coming weeks. But I'm pretty sure there's going to be a government shutdown, uh, which I'm fine with. So
1: as am I, as am I. We had a test case in 2020 when they told us all to go home and uh, nothing really changed very much in our day to day lives. Wade, thank you so much. Uh, Where can uh, folks find more about you and, and what you're doing at Citizens for Renewing America?
3: Sure. So I'm on uh, Twitter at uh, you know, Wade Miller underscore USMC, uh, Center for Renewing America. Uh, my boss, Russ Vogt, V-O-U-G-H-T, is also on Twitter. I would definitely follow him. He's kind of the Yoda of the conservative movement in D.C., in my opinion. Uh, so he's a must follow. Uh, and thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
1: Thanks, Wade. Have a great weekend. You too. All right so that's one perspective there um i think wade's a pretty good guy and uh he's got he's been around he's been in the battles he's an old war horse when it comes to so much of this stuff and most importantly as i said he's got a really boss beard he's from texas and he's a military vet so you got your quasi kyle seraphim fix for your friendly friday uh but i'm here to to bring you along the rest of the way and i still have am loaded to bear here with some good information uh and I want to cue that up with uh, with our next video, Ryan. Um, I believe that's going to be video number two.
2: You want me to roll it? Yeah, you can go ahead and roll it. Sorry about that. What's you? What the to complain about? No, just... Uh, what? What's the you? It's not funny. I'm not like you. I can't I can't do this shit. I mean, what's that mean? Like what? I'm not like, uh, like heroic and everything. I'm mean, <laughs> not brave like you. that guy. Nobody's hero, kid. She saved my life like ten times in the last six hours. Just
4: doing my job, that's
2: all. Uh.
0: You
4: know what you get for being a hero?
0: Nothing. Get shot at. Get a little pat on the back, blah, blah, blah. Attaboy. Get divorced. Your wife can't remember your last name. Kids
4: don't want to talk to you eat a lot of meals by yourself just a kid nobody wants to be that guy
1: then why are you doing this
0: because there's nobody else to do it right now that's why believe me if there was somebody else to do it i would let them do it but there's not so we're doing it
2: that's what makes you that guy
1: all right That is from Live Free or Die Hard. It was uh, sort of at the very tail end of the 90s action movies. I think that's the fourth installment of the Die Hard franchise. John McClane uh, in a steroid-invested area uh, arena in the 80s when you had Schwarzenegger and the Stallones. It was always good to see uh, Bruce Willis, who kind of looks like everybody's dad, out there shooting bad guys. And a side note, that movie, to me, Will always have a special place in my heart because I, I think that, that that scene is actually uh pretty impactful you know just a willingness to be that guy nobody really wants to step outside of their comfort zone uh, but uh, when they call your number up you got to step up if it's uh, some of the heroic police officers that we've seen go into these school shootings um, if it's a you know whistleblower like Kyle or like Garrett uh, whoever um, when your number gets called it, today's your Super Bowl you got to be ready to go. And uh, and that was actually the first movie and Ryan, I don't know if you ever had this experience. Uh, you tell me if you did. That was my first grown-up movie. I had uh, finished college and was out and had my first grown-up job. and uh, weekend came around like very early on and uh, I was sitting around the apartment and was like, I'm a grown-up. I'm gonna go to the movies. So uh, <laughs> that was the first uh, first foray that I had where you know I bought my own ticket and I was old enough. it was uh, I don't even know if it was rated R, but I you know walked in by myself and and sat there. so I've always, that, set, that pulls on my heartstrings a little bit uh, as I look into the past. Uh, but I, I want to apply that mindset here and, and also combine it with what Wade was talking to us about, how the, you know, the government set up. And do we have representatives there that are willing to hold the line when their number gets called? Are they willing to do the right thing or, um, and actually serve their constituents? And, and that's why I'm still, uh, despite Wade, Wade's pretty convincing case i'm still firmly in the camp that uh think that tidal wave's coming and i have a few things that i hear that i, I would like to bring here to send you off into your into your weekend maybe on a, a little more somber note than most of us prefer but i do think that kyle surf and joe is all about embracing the uncomfortable truths so can we move on to uh to a discussion about ukraine and this was in the uh, in the news this week with uh the, the greatest leader, the Winston Churchill of our time, Vladimir Zelensky, made his address in front of the United Nations. <laughs> Video number three, Ryan, when you're ready, can you please roll this one?
4: Thank God, people have not yet learned to use climate as a weapon. Even though humanity is failing on its climate policy objectives. This means that extreme weather will still impact the normal global life, and some evil state will also weaponize its outcomes. And when people in the streets of New York and other cities of the world went out on climate protest, we all have seen them. And when people in Morocco and Libya and other countries die as a result of natural disasters, and when islands and countries disappear underwater and when tornadoes and deserts are spreading into into new territories and when all of this is happening one unnatural disaster in moscow decided to launch a big war and kill tens of thousands of people
1: vladimir Zelensky, the greatest leader in the world apparently um who actually makes john fetterman look like hugo boss with his wardrobe (laughs) He is there. He's at the UN. He is doing. Uh, he's doing the bidding of, I guess, what what you would expect of a leader uh, for a corrupt Eastern European country. Uh, he's passing the till around, taking up a collection, paying homage to the religion of the woke, and that is the climate religion. And let me just ask you, issue this qualifier. And and this, I'm in a pretty unique position, Ryan. Um, it's sort of like being the the white guy with a black friend who therefore can't be racist. Uh, I am married to a woman from Ukraine. Actually, moved here uh, a little while back, so uh, she she was not a refugee of the, of it. But uh, I can speak from a position of authority on this issue, and my wife has my back. Um, I was very skeptical. Now, a year and a half ago, when this whole conflict erupted, when uh, when Russia invaded uh, and in Ukraine, and and look, I, I feel horrible. There's a humanitarian disaster there, uh, but. Uh, those, those sorts of things happen all over the world, all the time. And, and for one reason or another, this one sort of captured the attention of the American people. And uh, the politicians were very quick to jump on that, to use it for what I argue is their ends, both from the Democrats and the Republican Party. Um, we can pull up topic number three. This was uh, Tom Cotton issuing a statement, uh, combined statement, I think, with Lindsey Graham and, and others urging President Biden to provide actual uh, missile technology to Ukraine. And, and Tom Cotton has a reputation for being pretty uh, a conservative stalwart, but uh, he definitely jumped in on that. I guess it's going to enable his, uh, his military contractor donors to hit their quarterlies and, and keep this whole thing going. And, and last night, we even learned that the Pentagon, if there is a shutdown of the government, will exclude any sort of monies or material that it's going to send over to Ukraine from the shutdown parameters that would limit their ability. So essentially, we're guaranteeing that we're going to send that information over to Ukraine, even if there's a government shutdown. So so what is so special about this little Eastern European country over there? And uh, I think we've dug into it a lot it's been a lot's been exposed to the connections to the to biden family and peter has written a whole book about it uh, i don't think it's unique to to the biden clan i think that there's a lot of politicians that go over there with the grift um but to, not even touching on that topic i want to talk about the actual conflict with russia and how it, it made my spider senses go off in the very early days of it and i had this sensation twice in the last few years And Ryan, you'll have to to tell me if you you experienced anything like this, Uh, but I felt like I was alone and on an island in March of 2020. And I remember it because they were shutting down the entire country for this virus. And I was in Iowa and it was snowing and I was looking out the window deciding when I was going to have to go out and start shoveling my driveway. And I must have had the thousand yard stare when my good and faithful Ukrainian wife came up to me and said, what's wrong? And I absolutely lost my mind and started screaming obscenities that are not appropriate for the family-friendly Kyle Serafin show because I knew everything was going on was a complete and utter scam. It just didn't make sense. It was a catastrophic failure of any decision-making from my perspective. And I disagreed with it wholly. Now, flash forward to February of last year, and I got that same spidey sense and I don't think it's without merit. I think that the, there's there's quite a bit of evidence that there there's a parallel between Ukraine, and the COVID lockdowns, uh, and I, I wrote them down here just so I didn't uh, overlook anything. But kind of molded over my head yesterday. It didn't take too long. Took probably about five or ten minutes to come up with this this list of, uh, of comparisons. We had an infallible figure, Anthony Fauci, Vladimir Zelensky. There is the virtue signaling. Wear your mask. Make sure you post the Ukrainian flag emoji or bumper sticker or T-shirt at all times. If you criticized the COVID lockdowns or mechanisms, you just wanted grandma to die. If you criticize the US getting involved, you're a stooge for a Russian uh, despot. There's this appeal to authority. We have to trust the science and we are told that ukraine is dominating the war the the, the russians are on their heels we were told a number of myths millions of people were going to die unless we took these these drastic measures and then we had a ghost of kiev not kiev by the way it's kiev I've, I've consulted with the spouse on this one. Uh, actually, fun fun fact, if you say Kiev, that's considered tremendously insulting to somebody of Ukrainian persuasion because the, the Russians do that to sort of needle them. So it's Kiev. Another myth, the vaccine is safe and effective. The sanctions that we're putting on Putin have caused the price hike, the Putin price hike. There's no alternatives you can't take ivermectin. You got to get the jab. Or you can't have go outside and get vitamin D. You got to make sure you get boosted. We need total victory. Ukraine ha- must win, not only repulse the invasion from the Russians, but maybe even take over Russia itself. There was sloganeering. Stay home, stay safe. We have to be involved in this war to save democracy. Shared suffering. We're all in this together. We have to endure inflation, the Biden, the, the Biden message that the Putin price-like. We have to endure this for as long as it takes to win the war. There is censorship on media, social media, for both if you disagreed, Emergency powers. There was a shutdown of your ability to move around this country freely, make health decisions for yourself, worship the way that you saw fit, have your children get educated, and even your bodily autonomy, your ability to breathe the free air. We also had to have emergency powers that caused shortages and price spikes for everybody. I came up with that list in about five minutes. Ryan, what are your thoughts on that one, buddy? I couldn't agree more, man. I think
2: you absolutely are spot on with it. It's uh, it's, it's so bad when you know that that same speech that you played of Zelensky there. I don't know if you saw the one where the uh, Ukrainian media outlets doctored that footage, and they took they took Zelensky and Zelensky was sitting in the crowd, but they didn't realize it. So when he was speaking, they like kind of cut over to the crowd to make it look like the crowd was massive, and they forgot to take Zelensky out of the crowd. So he was speaking, and then they showed the crowd, and Zelensky was sitting in the crowd. It's hilarious, man. It's all a scam, just like COVID when they when they were uh, staging the, you know, the scenes in the camps of people dying and all these dead people. And then all of a sudden you like see like the dead body sit up from the camp, or or they would go like moving blocks. And like it was just look like a big stone. And like this person would just come over and pick it up with their bare hands and move
1: it like it was just a foam stone. So, yeah, man, yeah. spot on. And, and, and I mean, in COVID, look, I think that's, that's the goat right there. Um, in the Ukraine, war has obviously cost trillions of dollars. I, I would like to actually see a cost comparison. I, I don't know if it's even calculable, one, one versus the other. Uh, but the, I, I like to say the Venn diagram of those two, to me, is nearly a complete circle. And, uh, and, and I want to stay on the COVID topic, too. Uh, we can take it to the, to the next. We can move off of Ukraine and on to COVID. COVID-23, the election variant. It's here, folks. Get ready. Topic. Sorry, number Sorry, what topic was that? Topic seven. Uh, I got uh, it. Yeah, let's bring up topic number seven. This is a discussion about mask mandates that are going to be in multiple counties in California, and I think it's interesting um, because of the the emergency and the in the imminence of this this dangerous threat that is COVID twenty three, which is going to leave us all. I, I mean, if if anybody survived the Trump tax cuts, um, you're certainly going to die from COVID twenty uh, three, and it's so. Bad out there that we need to mandate masks in six weeks. This is going to actually start in November and is going to carry over for six months in these counties. And uh, you know, I put it out on my my social media when I read this, and, and obviously there was a lot of of comments about I will not comply and just say no. Look, these people complied with it. The, these small community despots and dictators—they got their taste of power. They'll comply with it again. I don't feel bad for them. It's really not that hard to say. I'm not going to put a face diaper on to breathe, and I'm going to breathe the free air. The, the the science doesn't make any sense. The logic of it doesn't make any sense. I remember when I uh, they came out with that original message with the masks. And, and look, we could. Everybody knows, you know, there's all the science behind it. You know, the air gets in the side. The particles are too small. But to me, the ultimate was when they said that you wear your mask to protect others and they wear their mask to protect you it was very much the shared sacrifice we're all in this together and i just thought about that and noodled around for i don't know about 10 seconds and and concluded that if that was true i should be able to turn the mask backwards inside out and put it on and it would protect me right because if, if right. ryan's wearing a mask and it's to protect me. I can wear the same mask inside out on my face, and it'll protect me also. But if you present that to the the Covidians, the branch Covidians, or I, I like the mask holes, uh, that that doesn't penetrate the logic. So we have the we have the mask mandates. They're starting. That's that that's one. We can go to topic number four, which is a discussion about how the Biden administration has now ordered some COVID tests. You can get your free COVID test. I think it's four per household now at a cost of six hundred million dollars that we're gonna supply these these tests to the home. Um uh, did you order free tests, Ryan, when when it was available?
2: Oh, of course, man. I was the first in line to order. I pre-ordered. Free stuff,
1: man. <laughs> free stuff. Always gotta get the free gear, right? Yep. I, I wonder what could we have devoted six hundred million dollars to. I mean, look, I, I don't think we. I think we need to slash everything across the board. Um, we need to. We have thirty-three trillion dollars in debt. That tidal wave is coming. Uh, people it, it are, it are congressmen and senators that are negotiating this this budget coming up. Um, they're not serious unless they're willing to cut. I don't know, 80, 90 percent of the government. To actually address the problem, um, but obviously that's you know that's a, a farce. I'm I'm, I'm very uh, Pollyanna-ish if if I think that that's ever going to happen. But six hundred million dollars, how much of that could have been used towards giving some aid to Hawaii? I I, I, I imagine that the seven hundred dollars that all the family got there for the the fire. Um, they, they might have exhausted those resources now. I mean, it, it buys a lot of macadamia nuts in, in Hawaii. I've been there. The <laughs> macadamia nuts are are pretty inexpensive because they're a local resource. Uh, but spam, that's pretty expensive. I, I, I remember that a gallon of milk at the store, because my family went there on vacation about uh, six years ago, and a gallon of milk costs more than a gallon of gasoline which to me was just mind boggling because you just get milk from a cow, right? I mean, there's, there's a processing involved, but theoretically it just comes directly. It's renewable, it's from a cow, but somebody has to drill into the earth and pull oil out and it has to go through a process, convert it to gasoline. And all of that happens for less than just going out and milking the cow. But $600 million, what, what other sort of initiatives could be done? You know, we always hear about kids that are in school and, and hungry how many school lunches could we purchase for 600 million dollars who's gonna to object to that how about our uh, our cash strap police departments let's 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 keep community safe no we're gonna get q-tips and make sure that they can go up the nose and give everybody nose cancer uh, because if you are excessively exposing yourself to the, the chemicals in those that that's actually a carcinogen so I got uh, a few, I would, for Steve. the first time yeah <laughs> We could have ended homelessness.
2: We could have given every high school graduate free STEM training. We could have rebuilt all of Maui homes. We could have built free drug treatment centers for fentanyl addicts. We could have built a pure steel wall, six feet into the ground across the Southern border. And we could have given Americans full health coverage insurance for just 25 a month. How about that?
1: (laughs) I don't know. $600 million. I don't know if it stretches that far. We got like 400 million people in the country, but I'll take your to word. That's I mean, at the very least it's better than buying Q-tips that go up people's nose. Right. Who do we get those
2: Q-tips from, Steve? Who's 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 manufacturing these? Who do you think's benefiting from that? I think it's
1: probably a bunch of kids sitting on a dirty floor in Indonesia doing it. Or <laughs> I remember <China>. that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so, uh, staying on this topic, let's go to uh, topic number five, which is from Mike Schellenberger, and uh, he's he's a great journalist. I've actually Kyle and I have have talked to him and his group over at Public, and he is promoting. A, a news story that they have out there. You have to subscribe to it. And we were told with the, when it came to the vaccine that you get the shot in the arm, it stays there, it keeps you safe, it's effective. And now it's appearing that it's moving around your body and actually getting into the breast milk of nursing mothers. So, And I believe Naomi Wolf has reported in some of her material that they, they've analyzed the breast milk of some, um, of some women and it's like blue in color. So we're, we're living through a, I don't know, an alien movie or something like that. Final topic on this one, topic uh, number six, the COVID vaccine may have killed 17 million people so far. This is actually a very interesting article uh, that uh, Daniel Horowitz wrote for Conservative Review. And they did this analysis of uh, specifically in the Pacific Rim, uh, the Asian countries, even including like Australia. And because when COVID first hit, they they didn't have a lot of deaths. And then there was a question of, was it the lockdowns? Uh, were they naturally predisposed to have some sort of resilience to it? But then the all-cause mortality spiked enormously in 2021. And what was unique about 2021? Because 2020 was the year of of the COVID deaths. We didn't have any any big pharma uh, response to that outside of remdesivir and ventilators. But then we got the magical mRNA vaccine made available in 2021. And lo and behold, there is a spike in deaths in these countries that were previously seemed to be immune from, from the all-cause mortality that was occurring. And then it spiked again in the summer months of 2022 with the Omicron variant, which not nearly as deadly or as miserable to deal with as the original or, or Delta, but still we have this spike. And according to this study that, that, that Daniel was writing about, it appears that if the math on it is accurate, there is one death per every 800 doses, not people, doses. And when you extrapolate that to, especially the elderly, you have people that are on like their fifth, sixth, seventh booster every time. Their, their, their odds of, of having an adverse event are very high. It's, it's somewhere in the area of like 2% uh, having an adverse event that might require met, uh, a, a doctor intervention. But certainly the risk of death being there, um, you get eight shots. I mean, you're looking at one in 100 that that uh, you're going to be taking a dirt nap.
2: It, do you think it would compound after the first one? It seems like if you have multiple in your body, it would almost get exponentially worse. Like by the eighth that, one, you probably have like a 50% chance of making it.
1: Yeah, that's that's the question to me too. I mean, because these there's obviously no long term studies, especially when it comes to the boosters, and we're we're, we're coming out with a new vaccine that the uh, CDC is authorizing now. Unfortunately, I, I live in Florida where they've recommended people don't don't get it, uh, and if they're saying it's very similar to the original vaccine and you should get it, uh, but there's again no long term studies. I, I think they they did 50 people and one of them had uh, adverse reaction. That's two percent. So. Use your discretion on this one, folks. I'm glad we're we're streaming on Rumble. I don't know what that just did to the uh, eight people probably watching on YouTube. Ryan. <laughs> but, oh yeah, uh, that one might, we might not can, be up we, very long. <laughs> we can pivot away from this one and to the last uh, subject here, where I, I want to talk about. Uh, is this a that guy? Are are you a? Are you willing to step into the to the breach here? Uh, and I want to talk about the the great Congressman Ken Buck. From Colorado, member of the House Freedom Caucus, stalwart of conservative values, and and the reason that that Ken sort of came across my radar, it, he's he's done a couple things lately that got my attention because he he does have a pretty good reputation of being a conservative guy. Obviously, being a member of the House Freedom Caucus uh, bodes in his favor just ideologically. For uh, I think a lot of people who who watch the Kyle Searfoss show. Uh, but I first got suspicious when Christopher Ray testified in front of the Judiciary Committee a couple of months ago, or maybe it was last month. And they lambasted him. Matt Gates was all over him. Jim Jordan was all over him. Tom Massey was all over him. Everybody was all over him, except for Ken Buck. He, he kind of had this long, complimentary uh, monologue where he said that, thank goodness for the FBI, never want to defund it. It's doing this great and wonderful work. And it, it just struck me as out of character for somebody with his reputation. So antenna went up a little bit for me on on Ken Ken Buck. And then I watched his performance with the attorney general this week. And can we queue up video number four? Um, this is Ken Buck's intro to his time talking to Merrick Garland. Let's go ahead and roll it.
2: Steve, give me one second on that. I actually sure, recorded, I thought it said 120 something. And I thought you meant one minute, but you were meaning like the one hour mark, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Give me one second. I recorded
2: them both. I thought I messed up the first time. So this might not be perfect, but uh, just give us a second. We're going to have that video ready for you guys. Not a problem.
1: Not a problem. And here's the,
0: okay. Oklahoma City bombing case. But in that case, the death penalty was asked for and actually received. And Timothy McAfee was executed. Not exactly a democrat priority to seek the death penalty in cases but you did so because of the rule of law you did so because the facts and the law demanded that you did so and you followed the facts and the law in that situation the other uh, er, issue i wanted or um, example in your bio that i wanted to point out is my understanding that in your conference room you have a portrait of Elliot richardson And the reason you have a portrait of Elliot Richardson is because he demanded that the Department of Justice stay uh, independent from the Nixon administration. He had the backbone to stand up to the President of the United States and make sure that the Department of Justice would not become the government's lawyer. You put that portrait there soon after you became Attorney General because it was a signal. It was a signal to the world that you wanted to be known in the same way that others that had come before you were known. And frankly, um, one of the reasons I respect Attorney General Barr so much is because after January 6th, he made the very difficult decision to walk into the president's office and tell the president the election was not stolen. We have looked at this. Um, and for that reason, he resigned before uh, January 20th when, when power was turned over. Uh, that's about all uh, I can Mr. stand. Attorney well, General, you're unable you to sure you answer don't some hear the questions here, but I'll answer them for you. Do you know what people would have said if you had asked for U.S. Attorney Weiss's resignation uh, when you became uh, Attorney General? Oh, I'm sorry, U.S. Attorney. Yeah, U.S. Attorney Weiss's uh, resignation. They would have said that you were uh, obstructing the Hunter Biden investigation, that you were firing a Republican appointee so that uh, you could appoint a Democrat to slow walk this investigation um, and and lose the leadership of that investigation. If you had made the same decision a year later because you were frustrated that the prosecution wasn't moving fast enough, they would have again said that you were interfering with the prosecution. If you, when uh, US Attorney Weiss asked to become special counsel, if you had made the decision then to appoint someone else to special counsel, people would have criticized you because you would have been taking someone out of the investigation that knew the facts that could lead the investigation and put someone in who would have had to come up to speed on the investigation and wouldn't have allowed major decisions to be made until they came up to speed. So.
1: Okay, Ken Buck, so uh, I, I, I really thank you for making me sit through that extra couple minutes there, Ryan. That, that definitely has made, made my day. Um, <laughs> so now we have him being very sympathetic to the FBI director and to the attorney general. So antenna is going up a little bit higher here on 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 Mr. Congressman Buck. And I did my little research on him and found an opinion piece that he crafted uh, looks like last week that was uh, that ran in The Washington Post. And if we pull up topic number eight, it's a opinion piece by Congressman Buck, My fellow Republicans, one disgraceful impeachment doesn't deserve another. And it's a, his argument against any sort of impeachment measures against Joe Biden. And in here, it highlights, uh, he, he says, quote, what's missing despite years of investigation is the smoking gun that connects Joe Biden to his ne'er-do-well son's corruption. I don't think that Ken Buck is consuming the same news or news in general that that most people are. I think it's it's a pretty, we've crossed the threshold of reasonable suspicion. We may be not uh, at the, the probable cause yet, but that's the point of an impeachment inquiry that, uh, that the Congress is launching, and again, what's going on with Ken Buck? So, did a little bit more research. Topic number nine. This is from a uh, Sarah Fortinsky at the Hill. She writes: Republican Ken Buck rips Colorado GOP letter about January 6th defendants' treatment, and this is statements that uh, that Ken Buck was making. That, that said, that the mistreatment of January 6th prisoners being held in the gulags, uh, there were there were false claims that the, his state's Republican Party was uh, was alleging what's going on to those people there, uh, and and they're just they're not accurate, and it's it's a defense from him um, against his own party in in the state of Colorado, which is not you know, really a red state at this point. It's it was was purple. It's now definitely trending extremely blue. I believe they have a homosexual governor. So the Republican Party is not really a very powerful force in that state, and he's uh, standing up and against it. Did a little bit more research on Congressman Buck, which takes us to our next topic. That's topic number 10. And this was a feud that uh, Ken Buck got into with Marjorie Taylor Greene regarding the treatment of these January 6th defendants. And Ken Buck is very displeased with Marjorie Greene. Um, he he says in this article that uh, she's factually... that. Uh, she called things factually wrong and completely out of touch. Um, he's and he said that when you've got people that care more about their social media accounts than about the constitution, you have a real problem in Congress. And look, Marjorie Taylor green kind of has that mean girl reputation. Uh, she's got her own drama, but she is to her, to her credit. One of the few who has continued to, to hammer uh, the January six defendants mistreatment, not necessarily maybe their, their, uh, lack of justice or due process along the way, but the fact that they're being held in these, these pretty austere conditions, uh, is something that she's brought attention to and has continued to argue about. And uh, Congressman Buck did not agree with her and got kind of into a mean girl fight with Marjorie Green. So this, this is what we call in investigations uh, a mountain of evidence that Congressman Buck is kind of off the rails of what he alleges to be a, his foundational beliefs. And uh, back to the original question, is he that guy? Is he willing to do it? What, what would be his motivation for that? And lo and behold, this week I got my answer in the New York Post. Topic number 11, Ryan, can we pull this one up? Steven Nelson from the New York Post reports that Representative Rep- 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 Ken Buck eyes a CNN job while criticizing the Biden impeachment inquiry. The way this article opens up is actually uh, is pretty revelatory about uh, not just CNN. But uh, if you go down early on in the article, it says uh, Buck said privately last month that he was interested in a job at CNN, a source told The Post, after he weighed other options over the past year, including joining a D.C.-based law firm or seeking Biden's nomination to the Federal Trade Commission. So he either wants a, a cushy name on the letterhead, partnership at a obviously Democrat-run D.C. law firm, to be nominated to the Federal Trade Commission by the president, which he would obviously need to seek his favor to do, or he wants to land a nice constituent uh, contributorship at CNN. And, and you can't get on the, uh, the formerly uh, n- just the news network CNN uh, by speaking truth to power, or being honest, and being that guy. You have to bend the knee. So, I wanted to bring this out there. I know there was a lot of discussion about uh, other things in the news this week. You know, when it came to John Federman's wardrobe, uh, the uh, the the goings on yesterday. I know Kyle covered uh, the drama that happened with the Attorney General, but uh, this is just another one. And the, and this is the worst kind. This is the guy who's supposed to be wearing your colors if you're a conservative, constitutional conservative, libertarian. And uh, he's a complete wolf in sheep's clothing, who has not only betrayed his constituents, but uh, other people who have, who he purports to represent. But when it comes, especially to the the House Freedom Caucus, which are those few that Wade discussed earlier with us, who are trying to hold the line when it comes to this budget. I mean, do you think Ken Buck is going to be fighting to to push back on any sort of woke and weaponized government or an out of control DOJ, FBI? He's he's already said that he is completely opposed to defunding the FBI. And I, I don't really don't know what he believes. I just know that Ken Buck believes in Ken Buck. So food for thought on, uh, make sure you, you are researching who you perceive to be your allies here in these days um, as we're going into to the weekend here. I would like to close out here, uh, Ryan, with our final video. Um, I think that uh, I'll leave it up to the, the Sarah fans out there to judge um, I hoped that to to captain the ship, to 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 bring this this plane in for landing as we go into the weekend. Um, hoping that I did this, let's run uh, video number five and and let the audience be the judge.
3: Where's Tupper? Lost contact.
2: There he is.
1: Pyrex pickle, blowfish. Permission to land. <laughs> ah!
0: You guys are going to have to talk me down. I got some damage. Wait, hold it, hold it! Okay, Topper. Ease are in. Landing gear's frozen. Looking good. Lost my
3: radar. A-, a little more power now. I'm out of fuel. Right for lineup. Lost a wing. Doing fine. There goes the other one. Okay, Topper.
1: Call the ball. Touching down. <laughs> Hot Shots, the original. Better than uh, better than Top Gun, I would argue. Um, 1991 was a good year. I brought, tried to bring in some of the, the 1990s, early 2000s movie references this week. Um, I hope to have uh, to brought the plane in for a smoother landing than Topper did in that one. Um, but uh, I'll leave it up to you folks to decide. We, as we said last week, we're looking at maybe expanding the Kyle Seraphin Show channel. It might include uh, Garrett O'Boyle and Real Steve Friend uh, weekly show, and then uh, looking into some some options for myself solo. So if if you are interested in, in anything that was brought today, this is sort of the format that I'm hoping to bring in the future. If if it, and when that does take off, um, we will make sure we bring that bring you that information. I want to thank Ryan Matta very much today for spinning the dials. Uh, he, I sent him a lot, and he got it all handled. Ryan, uh, can you uh, let the folks know where to find you?
2: You can find me on Twitter and Rumble. Twitter is Ryan Matta Media. And obviously, Rumble, you guys see me in the live chat. You can just click on my username right down there, Ryan Matta. Appreciate it, Steve. Thank you. Yep.
1: Yeah, and folks, make sure you like and share this uh, this channel, this stream. Smash the like button. button, uh, Guys, I am not proficient enough to be involved in the chat yet. I'm going to get myself up to speed uh, as, I, as my hosting responsibilities maybe expand to other shows. Uh, that's my commitment to you all I thank you very much for the support today. You can find me, I'm on Truth Social, at real underscore Steve Friend. I'm on X, formerly Twitter, at real Steve Friend, doing work at the Center for Renewing America. And also pick up your copy of True Blue, My Journey from Beat Cop to Suspended FBI Whistleblower, which is available on Amazon. It's pinned to the top of my social media profiles. Um, and uh, it's doing well. I'm, I'm hoping that uh, we do well enough that we get so, some more orders in as we go into the Christmas season, and I thank you all for very very much for your support along the way. Have a great weekend. Make sure you catch Kyle tonight with uh, Tim Pool. Garrett's going to be with him. God bless you all. Enjoy your day.
0: Thanks for listening to The Kyle Seraphin Show, streamed live Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays on rumble.com slash Follow Kyle on Twitter and True Social at kileserafin.